Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Welcome, everybody, uh, the, the few that are here with us in person and the many that are joining us online. We want to welcome you and say how glad that we are, uh, that we are gathering in some form or fashion in the Spirit here today. And so um, a lot of things I want to talk about. Oh, Lisa told me don't put that on the table. So, okay. Um, just a lot of things of business and, and mission and just a lot of different things. It's a busy time of the year. I will, first, I want to thank everybody that came out yesterday and helped with the Pathway of Lights. We had some donations, and it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic way to minister to the community um, and give them an opportunity to get out and to do something. So if you get a chance, come by and look at what we did or what everyone did. Um, so that's out there. Also, Young Lives, you heard that in an announcement. 13 young ladies, it's kind of like an uh, angel tree for young ladies that uh, uh, with babies or are pregnant or going through that process, and Young Lives ministers uh, to these young ladies. And so this is an outreach, a mission during the Christmas time. Um, and it, it's hard to kind of do this kind of thing when you're mostly online. Uh, things fall through the cracks. And so uh, I pray that you would take some initiative and, and to look at the GPS, call Lisa, um, to figure out how we can reach out and to minister to these young ladies. Um, also on Wednesday nights, Ashley mentioned this. Uh, we want to lift up we're, the conversation. We're going into depth on what, it, what Advent is and then the specific topics of that week. This, and as an added feature, we're, we have a lot of ordained people in this church. And so we're asking another guest, pastor, um, to come in and to visit with us. And so this week, uh, David McMahon, Pastor David, came and visited with us. This week, uh, newly ordained deacon Chris Reyes is going to come and uh, join our conversation. Uh, now, Phil Gore was scheduled Dr. Phil Gore was scheduled for the 16th, but I talked to him yesterday. He is probably by now in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, the, uh, many of you know that he was on baby, grand, uh, grand baby watch, and they arrived yesterday. So we lift them up. Um, but yes, yes, it is a, it is a joy. So we pray for safe travels and a, just a glorious time with their new grand babies. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. I can't remember what it is. I'll throw it in later if I think about it. All right, well, let's get started. Um, our scripture today comes from Isaiah 54, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song and shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more than the children of the desolate woman then, uh, are then of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband, 
The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young, a beloved wife only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but everlasting kindness, with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now, now I have sworn to be angry, not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would guide the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that each one that is listening, uh, that hears these words, Lord, would receive the message that you have for them here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now there's a lot... To go into. You know, you have the prophetic language of Isaiah, and, and at first glance, when you read Isaiah, it seems overwhelming. It seems like it doesn't make sense, but then as you drill down deeper and you read it over and you understand uh, biblical and prophetic language, you see that it, it makes total sense, right? So just a little recap. I don't have time to go into it too much, but, but Isaiah is, is a book of judgment and hope. Remember, we talked last week, the, the Advent topic was hope. And in the first part of Isaiah, there is strong judgment against Israel and against their rebellion and their unfaithfulness in their relationship with God. And, and God hands them over to the judgment uh, of the consequences of their choices. He releases us. And remember, God will do that. that that's one way of looking at God's judgment, that eventually God will uh, hand us over to the consequences of our choices. And so he had warned them, he had begged them, pleaded with them over the many years to stay in relationship, stay in right relationship through obedience to the law, through remembering who had blessed them, remembering who their God is, but constantly they, they, they disappointed and they continually were unfaithful. And so eventually God hands them over to their, the consequences of their choices. So it's about judgment, but it's also about hope. Because even in the midst of all of their poor choices, all of their mistakes, all of their unfaithfulness, God is continually saying, my covenant will persevere. And so there's a message of hope. And we talked about hope last week. And we drilled down with it during the week and uh, with David. And as I thought about Advent and I thought about Christmas and dealing with the pandemic and all of that entails within church and trying to find a balance and to stay safe and, and with my, uh, out in the world and dealing, other people dealing with it, I thought, you know, oftentimes 
what we talk about in church about Christmas is we have to be careful to remember that Christmas for many people is a very difficult time. There's a lot of depression and anxiety, a lot of uh, uh, mental illness, emotional problems, uh, family issues. It just oftentimes we have to be reminded that there are people out there that are going to be struggling and hurting. And that's in a normal Christmas year. I mean, look now. I mean, depending what state you are, you, we got stay-at-home orders. We're in red. We have travel concerns. People are anxious about stuff. People are fearful about stuff. People are going to be more isolated than normal. There's going to be all kinds of financial pressures in certain households. There's going to be family dynamics that you're kind of stuck in. I mean, the list is long. So if we've had to worry about people struggling during Advent, struggling during the holidays before, we especially have to worry about it now. You know, in one sense, it, we can't play church anymore. Church can't just be about something on our agenda to, to have um, uh, a family gathering or just part of our holiday agenda. We have to be the body of Christ. Remember last week, we, we are the people that are carrying the hope of the light of Christ into the, into the darkness, right? And what we're talking about is that the darkness has never been more prevalent or apparent in some people's lives, in the world. And now granted, I look, I'm a student of history, especially world wars um, and things like that. And you look back and, and compared to some generations and what they had to go through and not in our country, but in Europe and other places, you know, we have it pretty good. But still, the darkness is never more apparent and prevalent than it is this year. And so that makes the, this idea that we are supposed to be the light. The import, if, if the darkness is greater than, uh, more apparent than we've ever seen, then it is, that stresses the importance of us being the light in the darkness. That we're reaching out to those that are hurting, that are isolated. And we have to be intentional. We're not, especially now, we're not just going to happen upon them. Out, uh, out in our daily busy lives, we got to be praying and thinking, God, who do I need to reach out to? Who needs the, the hope and the light of Christ? And so when we talk about hope and love and peace and joy, and we talk about those different aspects, this is serious business. You know, people in their emotional state, their spiritual state, their uh, mental state, there's people that are really hurting, really hurting. Heard a horrible story this week about, did you hear about the 11-year-old out in California on a Zoom meeting with his class? Pulled out a gun and shot himself in front of, right on, on the meeting. Now, that's an extreme and that's a horrible, but think about everything else, everybody else that's hurting out there for a variety of reasons. And we need to ask God, say, who do I need to be this hope for? And so, 
I know hope was last week, but I, I thought it was important through our conversations that we understand that we are, we can't just kind of have this fairy tale fluffy talk about hope and light and the darkness. The darkness is real and it is serious. And we need to be serious about being the light in somebody's life. We need to ask ourselves, who was the last person that I reached out to, that I gave hope to? It doesn't have to be in big ways, that I connected with, that I took a walk with, right? But see, God, the the amazing thing about God and the amazing thing about Isaiah when you unpack uh, our scripture, the, the, the desolate woman is Israel. They have not produced fruit. They have not witnessed to the greatness of God. And so he begins to prophesy about the, 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 the woman that was coming that was, did not have a husband, the Gentiles that through them, you're going to have to widen your tent because the descendants are going to be so great, referencing back to the covenant and the descend, this will be true. And so we have this story of hope again. So I know you guys have failed, but don't worry. It's still going to happen. And so we have this message of hope. And as I go through this and I, and I read the story of Israel and I think, gosh, gosh, God puts up with so much from them, from us, from his children. It is peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, Right? God puts up with so much. Why? So we talked about hope last week. Why does God continue to give a wayward people that continue to reject him and be rebellious and be unfaithful in the relationship over many years? Why does God continue to bring hope to them? It's amazing. If we really read the scriptures, if we really know how often they rejected him and have been unfaithful to him and have been rebellious in their relationship, yet he still does everything he can. Why? Why give him this kind of people that kind of hope? Well, we can look at human nature and then we can look to our scripture and we can find out this week why God puts up with us so long. Anybody in here, I know, see a few, I know at home, have kids. All right, specifically for this, let's say teenagers. Yes. Well, you kind of begin to understand, has there, and you don't have to answer in front of your kids, Have you ever had those times where you're just so fed up, you're like, why do I put up with all of this? Huh? Amen, right? You just, your kids just wear you out. And you just think, oh my gosh. Sometimes you you think, I do all this and they're so ungrateful, they get this attitude, they mess. You're just like, oh, you're so frustrated. Anybody have that experience? I know nobody here, right? Uh, my favorite was, I mean, this is in big and serious ways and little ways. My favorite as a, one of the dad frustrations, and I had four kids and two boys, two girls. It's the, my dad frustration was all often where you, you plan a vacation 
You spend hours and money to plan this great family vacation and you get there like, this is boring. What are we going to do? I can't believe, you're like, oh, why did I even try to do this? Right? Anybody have that frustration? And now, and maybe you don't have kids, but you are a kid, right? You were a kid, or you still are a kid, but you were that teenager, you were that college kid, you were that young kid. And so I'm sure your parents said that about you. I know mine did. I mean, I've with all, with um, four kids, I've had experienced all of these, right? Ungratefulness, attitudes, um, mistakes, wrong choices. I, was, I experienced all of those. But on my kids' worst day, they were a hundred times better than I was, right? And I know my mom probably said, I grew up in Chicago and uh, divorced mom, single mom, by myself. And I know my mom said, why do I put up with this every other day? I'm sure. But yet parents do. They do. Through the learning, through the growth, through the mistakes, through the attitudes, they put up with it. I do. And sometimes it's serious. It's amazing. One of the things that made me think about kind of the darkness and we have to be intentional about reaching out to people. I've had like this weird thing happen in the last month. I've had more people contact me from prior churches wanting some type of counseling. I've never had this much before. Really, ever. Usually they go to their new pastor, but I've had a lot of people from a variety of different churches that call me and say, Jim, I need to talk to you about something. So that was one of the indications there's a lot going on. I had a friend once who I baptized in one of my churches. Um, he was in his 40s and he had a young kid and our, he, he and his boy were very much like me and my boys and he, he, collect, he held uh, or coached select baseball. They went to a ranch that they had access to all the time. You know, close father and son relationship. His parents were divorced, but they were close. And he played baseball where my son played baseball and he didn't get it in like senior year. He didn't make the team or something, but Long story short, he began to go down the wrong path After, at the end of high school and then later. And, and this wrong path turned into drugs and turned into prison time. And it turned into many years of his dad doing all that he could to try to help his son. And... I was along for the ride for a while. I was his pastor, but then we remained friends. And this is over many years' period of time. And I would call and I'd check in. i say, how's it going? He said, oh, it's great. Uh, he's out on parole. He's on this rehab. He's got this job. I think it's going really good, this, this high peak and this hope for the future for his son. And then I would check in maybe a month or two later. i say, hey, how's it going? He's back in prison. Or we hadn't seen him for three days. This was many years of these peaks and these valleys. Hope and disappointment. 
hope and disappointment. And as a friend, I could only imagine what he was going with because I felt the weight of the disappointment. Not again. Not only for his son, but as his friend for him. But yet he continued. Continued. I wish I could say the story has ended, but it's still peaks and valleys. And yet, he puts up with it all the time. I had another friend, the same story, but in his marriage. It's been years. There have been all kinds of problems. Um, one of the nicest guys I know. I know he's 10 times better husband than I am. Yet he continues, I'll call in, how things going? Oh, they're really good. I'll call in a couple months later. Uh, we're, I'm out of the house now. Just unpredictable behavior. And I just hurt. I can hear in their voices, in those situations, the brokenness. They're, they're downtrodden in spirit. They're beat up. They're wore out, peaks and valleys. But yet, there they stay. Having hope, right? Why do we do that? Why do they do that? Why does, why does God do that? I mean, that's, that's the story of God's relationship with humanity, peaks and valleys, right? In creation, if you were to pick up the Bible narrative and say, okay, let's read this Bible, what's going on? Oh, look at these first two chapters. God created everything. It is beautiful, it is in perfect harmony. This is awesome. You put it down, you pick it up in a few days, you get to chapter three, say, what happened? Oh my gosh. You couldn't just obey one command. You had everything perfect. And then this story just goes, if you just kept doing that, it would be a peak in a valley of the story of the narrative of God's children. Oh, look at this amazing story in Exodus. I picked it up today and read about how they were in slavery and God had freedom through these miraculous signs and showing of his power and they were released and they went out into the wilderness and you pet it down and you pick it up and they're going, the Israelites are going, why'd you bring us out here? Right? Remind you of the vacation story? Why, we should have just left us there to die. We got nothing to eat, got nothing to drink. This is boring. Right? I could go on forever about the peaks and valleys of God with his children. Even on to our story. 54, in the, in the chapters 40 through 48, the exiles are over. God delivered them. Hope they learned their lesson and then delivered them. And he wanted them to, to uh, be his witness to his power and to his love, to his grace, to his glory. And they began to complain. Well, maybe our God's not so great. Maybe you don't care. And then in the face of that, God says, here's hope. Even though you have not produced, the covenant will be fulfilled. And what God is prophesying in Isaiah is that a time when he will come, God with us, Emmanuel, the incarnation, God will come as a fully human and fully divine and he will go to the cross and he will be faithful and be righteous. And all those that are in Christ will be in the covenant that God promised way back at the beginning. But God says in Christ, 
I am faithful to my covenant, I'm gonna have to be faithful for your side too. That's the gospel. The covenant is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And yet, boy, just think, that is our hope, that is our glory, and think about all that God had to do and all that God had to, to put up with just to get us there. And so when we talk about Advent, we talk about hope and the importance of this Advent more than any, to be a light of the darkness, to bring the hope of Jesus Christ into, into the world. We ask ourselves, why does God do it? And it leads us to our topic this week. That was the, the what? Hope. Today is the why. Why does a parent put themselves through years of agony, of peaks and valleys, hopes and disappointments, hopes and disappointments, to just beat them down and beat them down? If I went up and I said, why do you do that? Verse 10 because even though the mountains shake and the hills will be destroyed, yet my love will never fail. Why do you do that, Dad? Because I love them. Why do you do that? Why do you stick it out with your wife like that? Because I love her. Why does God put up with the children of Israel? Better question, why does God put up with me? My story is peaks and valleys. Jim, he picks up my narrative. He said, Jim, you're doing great. You're right where you need to be. And he comes back a little later and says, Jim, what happened? Why does God put up with me? Peaks and valleys, hopes and disappointments. Why does God put up with you? Peaks and valleys, hopes and disappointments. Because he loves us. God is love. And that's what motivates everything. We pray, everything we do, everything we worship, the time that we're in. And why does God want us to do it? He doesn't want us to go out and be the light and to be hope because we're supposed to. That's following the law. He wants us to do it because we love other people. And if we don't know him, it's, he wants us to do it because we love him. Because he first loved us. Why are we called to be the light and the hope of Jesus Christ? Out of love. Why does God give us hope in the midst of our darkness? Because he loves us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your love that motivates all that you do, your patience, your kindness, your mercy, your grace. Lord, as we come to your table and we prepare for this holy sacrament, let us be reminded, let us ask the question, now that we know the answer, why would Jesus allow his body to be broken, his blood to be shed? Why would he go to the cross? Because he loves us. And we love because he first loved us. May our love be an expression of our faith and our hope. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.